Hey there. Welcome to Twins Talk Clear-Cut Communication. Yes, we are twins. And yes, we are two old guys who should know better than to try to tackle the topic of communication in a podcast. But we're going to do it anyway, and hopefully you'll find it informative and maybe even enjoyable. Hey, we're coming to you from Frognot, Texas. Frognot, Texas. Now, we have with us a marketing executive. And my sense of things is Frognot is probably a town you don't want to be from in Texas. How would you change that, Ms. Marketing Executive? What would you say to Texas? <laughs> what would you say to Texas or to Frognot to say, you know, you might want to go with a new name. This might be a better choice. I'd say embrace it. Embrace the weirdness of the name. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> embrace the name. Okay, Frognot citizens, you've heard it first from our senior executive embrace. Embrace your reality. Although I have to confess, Aaron, if we're actually broadcasting from Frognot, it's hard for me to embrace that reality. <laughs> it just is. But anyway, audience, we are delighted to have an executive in marketing, actually a, a senior vice president and senior partner with Flashman Hillard, and talk about a variety of communication issues. But the one we probably wanted to focus on a little bit was one that we're all experiencing after the pandemic, which is kind of remote and virtual communication and how that's altered executives and leaders' ability to perform the kinds of things they would like to see done in an organization. So, Ray, why don't you jump in? Do okay. A well, Bob introduced Aaron on a professional basis. On a personal basis, Aaron is my daughter-in-law, but truly a daughter. And I couldn't love her more. And she's been amazing in, in terms of her support and care for my family and her family. And you just put that personal note in first. You know, you've already started a precedent that it's going to be very, very difficult now. Every guest is going to expect some kind of very personal, highly familiar, loving comment from you, which does not come easy. It only doesn't not come easy. They don't exist. Aaron is a solo so we don't have to worry because it's not going to apply to anyone else. I don't, have to worry. I don't like most other people half as much. Okay. And we can <laughs> okay. move forward now that we know the situation. Okay. okay. E, one of my questions I wanted you to address is what has been your biggest challenge in this communicating remotely? It's a very good question. Many challenges. As I think about that, there's sort of two areas of challenges that came to mind for me. The first is around the lack of human and personal connections that happen during virtual and remote communicating. That sounds really obvious, but no matter how deep a conversation you have on a video screen, there's always a feeling to me that's missing that you can't get if you're not in person. You know, kind of the just the humanness, the actual depth of feelings and emotions that just you can't recreate what it's like to be in the same room with someone. You know, video does a pretty good job because at least we can see each other and you can read some body language, some facial expressions. But the reality is there's some humanness. I think that communicating in person can't be replicated virtually. You know, Aaron, when you say that, uh, in fact, we are going to follow you with a series on nonverbal communication. And it seems to me 
that what you're speaking to about the notion of humanness are all these nonverbal cues and signals that we get in a face-to-face encounter that simply aren't available to us in video or Zoom or any of the platforms that are available technologically. Is that kind of what you're speaking to in terms of that sense of things? Absolutely. And I think it's even further. There's something about, I think, when we're on camera, probably because of when you've been on camera throughout your life or what you think of being on camera, it cues for us that we're we're on, we're on stage. And so when you're on virtual cameras and you're in these, you know, Teams meetings or virtual rooms where everybody's on camera, there's more likely that you're kind of sitting differently, you're kind of posturing, you're, you're presenting, you're on. Whereas when you're in a conference room around a table, casually, you're probably more relaxed. There's just a lot more casualness to it. There's a very formal nature to when we get on Teams calls. In the beginning of the pandemic, when we all went virtual, it felt that we were all exhausted by the end of the day from constant video call after video call after video call feeling on. Interestingly, now we are pivoting back to hybrid workplace and people are saying the same thing about now in real life interactions. It's as exhausting as the virtual felt at first. And I joke that, you know, being around three-dimensional people is a lot of work um, because I think it takes a very different energy from Mm -hmm. you to be face-to-face with people that used to feel normal and regular. Now it feels foreign again. It's like we had a muscle and we didn't exercise it. And now we've got to build it back up. The part that the in-person to me, you get that you cannot replicate in virtual is the stuff that happens in between business talk. So if you imagine you're in a conference room and you have a meeting with five or six people and everybody agrees the meeting has ended. And as you're walking out of the room, there's conversation still going. There's small talk, there's the weather, there's the sports game, there's the current events, the how's your family, all of those things that happen in a very short moment as people are leaving the room. When you hang up a virtual call, you're back alone in your room by yourself. And those things seem kind of insignificant, but I think they build up over time and create your kind of emotional connection with the team, but also with your workplace. I have a unique experience in that I started at my company in 2012. So I was there for about six years in the workplace, five days a week, full days. Then I went remote in 2018, when no one else was remote. So I struggled to find the balance. And I was sort of always felt I was begging people to find time for me because I was craving all that interaction that I knew they were having in the Mm. hallways and in the lunchroom and in the conference rooms that I was missing. Then just two short years later, everybody went remote and they were all looking to me (laughs) to say, how the (laughs) heck did you do this? And I said, well, now you know why I was begging you all to get on video or to find time to talk to me outside of meetings because I I lost all of that, the small interactions completely. Hmm. One of the things I'm hearing you say, Erin, that's interesting, very interesting to me, is that the remote communication lacks the energy of face-to-face, three-dimensional contact, and it doesn't create the opportunity for as many moments. And and I like that there are moments mm-hmm. that occur in, in communication that are critical in terms of the ongoing value of the relationship, the ongoing 
nature of the contact. And they can occur in remote communication, but they're not as likely to occur and they don't occur as frequently. You almost have to manufacture them. Yes. It's the hard part. And then when you manufactured it, it's not the same because an organic interaction in the elevator and you see somebody wearing the t-shirt for a college and you say, oh, I know that college. My cousin went there. That's a really natural thing. In virtual, I think there could be like, oh, I saw that picture on your wall. Tell me about that. You know, There's some of it. A lot of people try hard to still keep those kind of interactions going. But if they don't come naturally to you, it could all feel very transactional. We had a number of people who got hired, who became new employees during fully remote. And I think they suffered an even more difficult challenge because they had no relationship with anyone, then had to start manufacturing them and seeking them out. And some people, I think, who were very intentional and really dug in and tried hard, made it work. But a lot of people parted ways because they never had that feeling, that warm feeling about the workplace and the coworkers. It was just a job with a computer, you know, with a transactional meeting here and there that they had to get their work done. Given your extended experience with remote and with using technology, is there anything that you do in particular to create, a, if you will, a warmer environment or to create a more hospitable environment on a Zoom platform or Ring Central or whatever it is? Yes, I think there are things that I have tried to make sure I do. And I've tried to help other people see how to do them too. I don't think they're perfect. But one thing is when you open a meeting, a virtual meeting with a number of people, you need a facilitator. Somebody needs to be sort of the conductor of the meeting because just like that's true in a conference room, but I think it's even more true on a virtual meeting because it's easy for somebody to just mute themselves or even go off camera. And they're just a just an attendee to the meeting. So to bring everyone in, you really have to conduct and call people out in the polite way. You have to work a lot harder. One thing I try to do, just make sure I'm a good meeting facilitator. And then even to make to add the layer, if it's a hybrid meeting, even more so, you really need somebody to orchestrate how to make sure everybody stays connected to that. Now, we had someone on previously, Aaron, and we were chatting about it in terms of our own experience going through the pandemic, and we concluded the hybrid meeting is the worst. Now, has that been your experience, or would you say, no, we figured that one out? Uh, no, fun. they are very difficult, very mm -hmm. difficult, especially if the technology isn't equipped for it. Mm -hmm. We have figured it out, I think, for some hybrid meetings, and I would mm -hmm. say the hybrid meetings where... It's a collaborative discussion. It's, a team, it's truly a team meeting where everybody needs to speak, speak up and be part of the conversation. Those seem to be able to manage and not too many people. I'd say, I don't know what the num magic number is, but if you've got a room with more than four or five, I think then it gets unwieldy because then that group's going to have their own conversation. But we do it a lot. You know, We'll have a client who's sitting in a conference room in Virginia and then five people from Fleischmann-Hillard, all virtual from different places in the country, the client team is allowed to have a different kind of experience than we all are. So it requires them to have some courtesy to us and vice versa. But sometimes we actually build it into the format of the meeting in that they might sort of mute themselves and say, we're going to talk amongst ourselves for a few minutes. And so all of us say, okay, we'll work independently or take a break. And then we come back together where hybrid meetings absolutely do not work is if it's a very large group. 
most of the time for us, we are all virtual. And what an interesting point is clients and corporations are far less willing to pay for travel right now because Mm -hmm. you don't have to. And it was a huge, it's a huge expense. If you think of sending big groups of people or very regular weekly travel, I think all of that has really faded unless there's a very good reason we do it for relationship. I mean, we know the relationship with our clients is absolutely critical to us doing the best work we we can and meeting their needs. But now those will be fewer and farther between and the virtual meeting has really replaced it. It used to be, though, lot conference calls, you know, where you're just voices on the phone. Talk about an ineffective way to conduct any business. I mean, those really, thank God they're gone. Now you can have these kind of mix and match. But our client teams that facilitates a client is almost always scattered around the country because we work to put the right talent on the project versus just because you're in a certain city. One of the clients I've worked on for a long time I had never lived in the same city as my colleagues that I worked with, so much so that it took five years for me to actually meet one of my colleagues that I had worked with very closely. Mm. So I just got to meet her, you know, last fall. And it was such a weird experience to like, I saw how tall she was. And I I never knew because I've only seen her like this. You know, you don't really know a lot about people in that in that setting. So and so you discovered that you really didn't like her. (laughs) <laughs> no, not at all. But when we did all come back from from virtual and especially people we had hired, the thing that got talked about the most once you met someone in person was their height. How tall are they? <laughs> Interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. And it became sort of a running joke of like, did you know that that person was six two? Did you know that person was only five four? <laughs> and I happened to be short. And the one of the best compliments a guy on my team when I made this comment, I said, "Yeah, I'm only five one," and he went. I thought you'd be much taller than that. (laughs) While we're discussing this, uh, you've mentioned some of the difficulties that you have to overcome in remote communication. Are there any elements of uh, communicating remotely that you prefer, that you feel really are an advantage? I think having many channels to choose from is an advantage. And what I mean by that is email has become a place where we communicate. But the introduction of messenger or chat functions, whether within meetings or ongoing, and making it easy to access and easy to track has been incredibly helpful. Problem with chat, the downside of it is it's a massive distraction. So I think just having the options, the different ways to communicate with people, some people really like chat, some people really prefer email, some people really prefer phone calls because they communicate better that way. So getting to know someone's preferred methods of communication has been an interesting way to kind of get to know people. You know, you also said earlier, which I picked up on and thought, okay, this is a real plus for remote communication was when you were talking about working with a client, your talent is all around the country. So you can get the best talent in one place remotely when you sometimes can't do that face-to-face. And you can get your top knowledge. So if I'm working with a client, knowledge and expertise are both more accessible remotely than oftentimes they are face-to-face. Bear, another question or something else you'd like to ask? Well, I was just going to maybe redundant, but you had tips that you wanted to give people who are moving toward this form of communicating Mm -hmm. and will have to manage it and make it effective in their environment. 
I have two tips. And the first is not about communication, but it's about working as a remote employee. Mm. And somebody gave me this tip and I absolutely live by it. And that is put on shoes every day before you start working. And it sounds absurd, but it actually does signal something of I'm ready for work. You know, you get dressed and you put shoes on as though you're leaving to go to work. There's something about staying too casual that causes your brain to not get in kind of work mode. But related to to actual communications, I do think more on where I just was is meet people where they are being really intentional about the communications you're having. Your quick chat to someone might be a big deal to them. The words you use, even the punctuation you use, the grammar you use might change how they perceive whatever it is you're saying, particularly for leaders. I try to be very conscious of if I ask something, making sure I I couch it with, this is not urgent. This is a quick question. No pressure, no rush. Set the tone or this is really critical. I need it now. Can you help me to make sure I set the tone because everything can feel urgent in a chat or in an email. It can, you can you can lose some of the context. So making sure you frame up exactly what we're after and and make sure you keep the as much of the humanness as you can in it. Sure. Those are true insights. In keeping with your intentionality concept, Aaron, do you structure your uh, meetings differently when you're using technology like in a Zoom session? Yes. I think almost sometimes we structure the virtual meeting tighter than an in-person meeting. You try to squeeze as much out of 30 minutes as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. And I wonder often if that's to a detriment of the topic that we can cover it in 30 minutes and then, you know, 30 minutes comes and goes and have you really gotten to the root of what you needed to get to. And then you hang up and you may go directly into another 30 minute meeting on a different topic. So you aren't giving yourself time to process, digest, think about what next steps can and should be. I always say that the days when I have lots of back-to-back virtual meetings are the days when I dream about work. And I swear it's because my brain is just finally, once I go to sleep, is trying to process everything I heard and and consumed throughout the day. So yes, structure the meeting, but also make sure you structure the in-between time to Mm. not only, you know, get your lunch and get water and all of the basic human biological needs, but process what you heard and make sure you know what to do with the information next so it doesn't just get lost. That's extremely valuable. Sorry, Bear, I cut you off. No, that's great. Any closing thoughts? I can't believe we're at a stopping point. And Aaron, this probably means we're going to have to have you back. I would be happy to come back. To me, this is a topic that when I first went remote, I thought, I have no idea how to give advice on this because I felt so lost in it. And now I can't believe I can say five years in to being a fully remote employee, we have learned a lot. And exactly what you guys are talking about, how do you embrace the benefits of it and try to correct the things that are so problematic for what it lacks, which is culture and humanity, because it just doesn't, you know? Absolutely. Well, you are terrific. And I think if we have a vote, I might replace uh, Ray with you. I was afraid of that. That was my one reluctance of having Aaron on. And I was thinking that is very kind, but no replacing either of you. (laughs) I'm thinking Ray was probably saying, well, I'm thinking the same thing. I I could easily replace Bob with Aaron and we can move (laughs) forward. Aaron, thanks so much. Thank you guys. This has been very fun and I would love to come back anytime. 
The twins are done talking for today. Now it's your turn. We'd love to hear from you with feedback regarding today's theme or a situation you'd like us to step into during a future session. You can reach us at twintalk46 at gmail.com. Remember, no communication problem is so big, so complicated, or so intense that we can't make it larger, more complex, or more dangerous than it already is, almost effortlessly. And we'd like to thank Kevin McLeod for the score that both began and ended this podcast. 